I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter. This is a little late because I've actually been down with a respiratory flu all this week, and this is the first day I've been able to speak at more than a croak. I did try recording this once a couple of days ago on my usual schedule, and it was just really, really painful to listen to, so I'm taking another shot at it. Um, Still not in particularly good voice, so I'm going to be keeping my usual intro stuff pretty minimal this week, and I apologize for that. My quilt life has been pretty slow this week as well, for the same reason. I did do a little bit of work on my Use It or Lose It Challenge project. For information about that, you can check my blog at quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. I originally had wanted to talk about it a little bit. Don't want to spend my voice on that since I've already written about it, so you can check it out there. However, this week, usually just when I was done with work for the day, I crashed and read quilt magazines. My kids really pitched in, cooked me dinner most nights, because my husband was out every single night this week for work events, too. So it was a pretty quiet week. I don't have enough voice or energy to be able to do my usual responses to listener comments either, which I really feel badly about, because I got some great ones this week. So I hopefully will catch them up next week. Let me just say how much I really appreciate everyone who does listen and subscribe to this podcast. That is just so much fun. Um, I've heard from, I don't want to say I've heard from new listeners. I've heard from a few people for the first time. I don't know if they're new listeners or not. And it's always fun to meet people again. Thanks so much for leaving comments on the show blog or on my quilting blog or emailing me or tweeting me or joining in the conversation in Big Tent or Facebook. I love all of it. I especially love it when you send me pretty, pretty pictures. I did get some new ones this week from a listener, and I really hope I get permission to share them with y'all because they were really nice. They were definitely a bright spot in my rather murky week. Don't forget the creativity challenge. All the information is at http colon slash slash quilter.podbean.com and click on the Creativity Challenge tab. I've already heard from a few of you who want to play along, and I actually have even seen a sneak peek of a picture of somebody's project already in progress, so that's been a lot of fun too. Remember, you don't have to be a listener to join in the fun, so spread the word, get your friends to play too, send them the picture, challenge them. Remember all the usual contact information. If you can't remember anything else, just remember http colon slash slash quilter.podbean.com. Links to everything else are on that page. You can leave comments on the show. You can respond to the you know you're a quilter when fill in the blank game. You can leave your favorite quilt shop recommendations and check out the creativity challenge all at that web address. You can read my general Quilty Life blog at the quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can also join the discussion at Big Tent or the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, or you can follow me on Twitter. All of those things are linked at the Podbean site. And I do talk to people in all of those places. So um, just stay in touch and keep sending me pictures. I love to see them. For today's episode, I've got a treat for you. I had the opportunity to sit down for a conversation with Tara Tom, who's an award-winning long-arm quilter from my area. In our conversation, we cover such topics as why you might want to bring a quilt to a long-armer, how to prepare your quilt for doing that, 
how pricing works, and some things to think about if you've thought about going into business yourself as a long-arm machine quilter. I really enjoyed talking to Tara. That was the first time I'd gotten to meet her, even though I'd heard of her quite a few times. I really hope you enjoyed listening in on the conversation. And I'm going to give you my usual closing here because, honestly, Tara is going to do the heavy lifting for the rest of this episode. So once you're done listening to this interview, go get your quilty on. Okay, so why don't we start with you introducing yourself. My name is Tara Tom, and I live in western New York, and I have three children, and I have a long-arm quilting business. And what, when did you first get into quilting? Um, the year that I got married, my husband was stationed in Clovis, New Mexico, and that was very far away from home. And so I had, had a pattern that my mom had bought me, and I took it to Walmart and got myself some fabric, and that's where I started with a needle and thread. Hmm. So was your mom a quilter to begin with? No. No. Okay. She thought I should be. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> so how long were you quilting before you started doing the long-arm work? About five years. And what led you into long-arm? What was your first experience with that? I uh, walked into my local quilt shop, and I had a probably a 15-month-old daughter who was well, probably 18 months old because she was walking and getting into everything. <laughs> and I was a stay-at-home mom, and I was going crazy. So the owner of the shop said, we're going to move the shop, and we're going to open up a restaurant, and how would you like a job? And even though I thought that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, she was driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. Not her, but, you know, just one kid, one mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I jumped at the chance. I started working three days a week, and then she bought a lawnmower machine for the mm-hmm. business. And I watched her, and I thought, I think I could do that. And so she trained me, and I worked there for a little while until I had my second baby, and then I quit and didn't intend to buy my own machine. But people would come up to me in the grocery store and say, when are you going back to work? Because <laughs> I'm waiting for you to go back to work so I can take my quilt there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wonder if I could do this. So I bought the machine, and I've been blessed ever since. Hmm. When you first moved from quilting on a domestic machine to a long-arm machine, what was your greatest challenge in making that switch? I didn't do a lot of quilting on a domestic machine. I ended up, um, that year that I had started working on the machine at work, I had just bought a machine that could even do the free motion quilting. Um, but I, I was lucky that I didn't have to pay my dues on the machine, the small machine, because it's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't enjoy it, so I didn't do it. But once you transition from hand quilting or even quilting on a domestic machine, you understand how much easier it is to control the machine than it is to control the fabric. Mm. Um, but there wasn't there wasn't really a challenge because it was a challenge to do it on the small machine. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't too hard. So you felt pretty comfortable on the long arm, kind of from the get go. As soon as you started, really. I would say I felt relatively comfortable. I wasn't producing wonderful work right? because there is a learning curve um, but I felt pretty comfortable Yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't afraid of the machine 
Now, you are a, a very successful long-arm business now, um, very popular and, and have won several awards, I know. Um, what's your favorite thing about being a long-arm quilter? The ability to be home, manage my time, and have a creative outlet and a, a place to go where I can get away from the rest of the world and the normal everyday stresses of family life and just block everything out and have that creative outlet. Let me ask you a question about the business, and you don't need to answer this if you're not comfortable, but I know, you know for a lot of quilters there's this thought, well, I'll just buy a long-arm machine and I can then earn a living um, long-arming. Are you at a point now where the investment has turned around and, and it's actually been worthwhile, and, and how long did it take you to get to that point? Um, I don't mind answering okay. that question. Um, yes, I have the machine paid off, if that's the question. <laughs> I was very, very fortunate, though. When I, bought, when I decided to buy the machine, I um, made up a business plan, and I presented it to my grandmother and my mother, and I knew that it was going to be a big investment. Mm -hmm. And they believed in me enough to say, I will loan you the money, and then my aunt joined in and said, I'll split it with you three ways. So I was given a, an interest-free loan with no terms. Hmm. And then my aunt insisted that I pay off my grandma first, which I did. Mm -hmm. And then my grandma put all that money into an account, which was left to me when she passed away. Hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't a hard monetary investment for me. I had the faith of people who really wanted to see me be able to have it both ways. Mm -hmm. Be able to not have to make a living on it, but have it be an investment in my future. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very grateful for that. And I have $200 more that I owe to my mother. But you did—you approached it very professionally by creating a business plan yes. and everything first. Well, in order to have the confidence to be able to make that kind of investment, I needed to know that I had a plan. Mm -hmm. And that it was, if, if that plan worked, that this was going to be good for my family. And the way I figured it out monetarily is if I do two queen-size quilts a month, I can pay for the machine. And that wasn't hard. How many years now have you been doing the actual long-arm business? My business, seven years. And then I worked at the shop for three years before that. So what advice would you want to give? First of all, let me back up. Um, you and I had just talked a little bit about uh, why someone might want to bring a quilt to a long-arm quilter rather than trying to do it themselves. What, what sorts of reasons might you say, hey, this would be a good situation to bring a, a quilt in? Um, sometimes people want um, heirloom quilts. Sometimes they want um, very custom quilting. They've put a lot of effort into getting the piecing done. It calls for custom quilting. Some quilts call for it, some quilts don't. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't feel like they have the confidence to, the time to, to hand quilt it, or the confidence to machine quilt it, or if it's very large. Um, I know a lot of people do put very large quilts in their domestic machines, but it's hard on the body and the shoulders, and that's, that's one good reason to do it. Mm -hmm. Some people just want to get them done. And they want to move on to the next project, and they don't want to take the time to do the quilting. And I've had both of those reasons why I do some of my own machine quilting, but then sometimes I do bring them in for those reasons. Um, some of them 
I simply want them done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and other ones, I just want a, a level of quality done that I can't do myself. Mm-hmm. And we all have our gifts. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a gift, and everybody doesn't have all the gifts. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the good things about quilters is we're very cooperative. Mm-hmm. I, and I understand some people don't want to have anyone else working on their stuff. I completely understand that. That was part of the thing that led me to the machine, mm-hmm. I think, because... I didn't want to set it up for somebody else to do. I wanted it to be my project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that one of the good things is that sometimes we can admit that maybe we're very good paper piecers, but we're not very good quilters. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good paper piecer. Mm-hmm. I cannot do it. I fail every time. <laughs> so, you know, if I want something paper piece, I'll ask somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what advice would you give then to somebody if they've decided to bring a quilt to a, a long-arm quilter? As the long-arm quilter herself, what is it you need from somebody who's bringing you something to do? Um, several things. The first thing I need is for the quilt to have a backing that's not in any way basted to the top. I put it on the machine in three separate pieces. And it needs to be, the backing and batting need to be five inches longer and wider than the top. I provide batting a lot of the time, but some customers like certain things that I don't have and they are welcome to bring that. Mm-hmm. Also, I understand that it's a leap of faith if you don't know someone to bring their, them your quilt that you've worked so hard on. Um, and so I will do my best to make that be what you want it to be. However, I do have some limitations. Mm-hmm. And um, I would like for everyone who comes to see me to have maybe some ideas, but an open mind. I have allowed myself to be pushed into patterns that I wasn't comfortable doing, and the machine isn't designed to do, and those were not my best work. And I've learned over the past seven years to be firm about whether or not I can do something and understand that, yes, I can push my boundaries a little bit, but there are things that I can't do well, and I don't want to send that work out into the world. If I can't do it well, I don't want to do it. And if you want it, maybe you'll have to go somewhere else. Maybe you'll have to do it yourself. But the, And that was a really a big challenge for me, to be able to not say yes to what everybody wanted. <laughs> and it's so, it's so refreshing when someone comes and just says, you know what, do whatever you want to do. I trust you. But I understand you have to build that trust. Mm-hmm. So I guess come in knowing kind of what you want, but understanding that I am not a miracle worker. And there are some, the machine itself has some limitations. One of the things, uh, you gave a little bit of a presentation to our group yesterday, and um, one of the things you said just struck me, because this was actually why I avoided bringing quilts into a longer quilter for the longest time, is I was very aware of my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you, you made some comments about that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Everyone, every quilt that I have ever made, I know where the mistakes are. And I have never made a quilt that doesn't have any. And I am a quilter myself. I piece quilts. Mm-hmm. I know that it's not easy to keep that quarter inch seam perfect. I know that tucks sometimes happen. And I don't even try to applique. <laughs> so every, everyone who comes to me, almost without exception, says, don't look at my piecing. <laughs> and I say, I'm sorry, but I can't quilt your quilt without looking at your piecing <laughs> because that's where I'm going. But... But there is no such thing as a perfect quilt. I've not seen one. 
and everyone, every quilt has mistakes, but really the only person who's going to see those mistakes is the person who made it and if they have it judged. Otherwise, mistakes are part of life, and that's part of what makes quilts quilts and not comforters. I would also say, I think, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, um, when you're looking for a long-arm quilter, I know there's, there's one that I had explored that I ultimately decided not to bring any work to because they just had this long laundry list of do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. And some of it was it had to do with piecing and how you pressed your seams. And I thought, okay, it's just going to stress me out too much right. <laughs> to bring my stuff to that person. How would you advise people to go about finding a long-arm quilter that's a good match for them? Word of mouth is invaluable. I have done very, very little advertising because the best kind of advertising is word of mouth because the person who's telling you about me has experienced me and has experienced my work. Um, And so ask around in your quilt guild. Ask who have you gone to. And some people will have gone to that person who really didn't work out and have a good reason why you shouldn't go to that person. Um, But also... Also keep in mind that everyone has a different impression of everyone else. Some people click and other people don't. Also, I would say go to a quilt show and look at the work. And if you like the work, sometimes you're willing to jump through a few hoops (laughs) to get that work done. Mm -hmm. But I I would say definitely talk to your quilting friends because they're just such a resource. Is there a wide range in pricing in long-arm quilting? Not in my case. I like it simple, and I like to be competitive with the other local quilters. Um, one time someone said they would come to me because I'm cheap, mm. and my prices went up <laughs> the next day because I did not want to be known as the Walmart of quilting. Right. Um, and that was a mistake. One little comment, and, and, and my, my prices have since actually come down a little bit because I worked with another shop owner, and we kind of made an agreement because she was way low and I was a little high, and so we met in the middle. But um, for custom quilting, I charge, a, or for overall quilting, I charge a flat rate. If you want pantographs, just a simple meander, just loops, to um, I do an all-over meandering feather, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more fancy, Whatever, if it's all over your quilt, it's the same price. Mm-hmm. There's no variation there. And some shops will say, well, this is, I'm the only one who does this, and so this is an upgrade. Mm-hmm. But I just like to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the custom quilting, I have a range, but it wasn't until recently that I ever used it. I always just charged a little bit more for custom quilting. But then I, I found as I kept track of my hours that that wasn't really fair to me because I was spending so many more hours on some of the custom projects. And so I have started to use my range a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I haven't increased my prices in probably four or five years mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm okay with it. And I don't have to pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. I want to keep my customers happy and have the, have the quality work that I think that they deserve. And I don't need to make more money mm-hmm. in order for that to happen. I have a friend of mine who's an exquisite hand quilter, and she has started doing commission quilts, and she emailed me frequently trying to figure out how much she should charge, and, and that was a real issue, and it, and it, it involved a lot of research. So 
you know, how did you, you said something about um, talking with other people and checking out if somebody is listening to this thinking they might go into long arming, what advice would you give them in that regard? Find out what the other long armers are charging, which you have to be sneaky sometimes because not everybody likes a new girl to come on the scene. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe you have to do a little detective work, but find out what they're charging. And um, I work with a shop near my house, and she had asked me, will you, will you let people drop off quilts here? I would like to be a full-service quilt shop. Would that be something that you would like to do? And I hesitated, and I said, I need to think about that, because everyone brings everything to me. Mm. I don't have to drive anywhere. Right. And so I, I gave it some thought, and I decided, yes, I am willing to do that. We'll see how it works. We'll give it a year. And if it's driving me crazy, mm -hmm. then I'll just say, it's just not fitting in with my life. If it's not, then we'll keep doing it. And then um, probably a year into that, she said that she had been approached by a friend of hers who asked if she could put a, a machine in her shop. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me that out of courtesy because we had formed a relationship. And I said... You know, and I don't have a problem with other people trying to do well. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there are people with different gifts than I have, and that's fine. Just don't undercut me, mm -hmm. is what I said. Just ask her to not have the prices be so low that people can't say no to her, which means that they can't say yes to me. Because I am competitive with the quilters in the area, as far as I know, and I wouldn't want to lose business because someone else is undercutting. Have you found, is there in your knowledge a wide variation in rates geographically? Like what tends to happen here might be different from I don't Pennsylvania know. or Texas? I don't know. I haven't looked into that. I have thought about the possibility of my, I have family in Long Island. Mm. And I have thought about working with a quilt shop there and, or, or even, you know, getting the word out on the internet mm -hmm. that I am here and and try to make more money because I live in a very depressed area, according to, you know, people who do surveys. Mm -hmm. And so, um, especially the town I live in, I don't want to charge high. But, you know, in Long Island, mm -hmm. their cost of everything is higher. Right. However, I just have decided to just be happy with what I have here. Keep it simple. Yeah. Not have to deal with shipping. And not, <laughs> and not become greedy mm. because that was only an opportunity to make more money. Hmm. So going back to you as a quilter, um, many, many of my listeners are pretty much brand spanking new quilters. Do you have words of advice that you'd like to give them to help them on their way? That quarter inch really does make a difference. I used to teach beginning quilting. I would not let anyone move on until they could piece three pieces together and have it turn out what it was supposed to be. It seems silly, but a quarter inch means a quarter inch. And don't be don't become overwhelmed by a big project because you can if you can do a small project, you can do a big project. It'll just take you more time. And really get involved in a group of people. I'm working on a, what is that? A Mariner's Compass quilt. Mm -hmm. And I have really mainly worked on it on retreats. And last night, I got part of it together, and I never would have been able to do that on my own. Mm. I never 
and I've been quilting for 14 years, piecing for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And it is such a blessing to be in a group of 20 people, all with their different experiences and skill levels, and they're so kind and generous. <laughs> and, you know, when you say, I don't think I can do this, they're like, well, I took a class on that, so I'll show you how to do that. Mm -hmm. And really get yourself, and I am relatively introverted, mm -hmm. and I remember the first time I went to a guild meeting, I was so nervous. I do not like joining groups. I do not like talking to people I don't know. And But once you get over that, especially with a quilting group, they are so, so kind. It's not like you know a sports team where if you're not cool, you're not cool. Mm -hmm. um, but there's such a wealth of information and, and generosity and cooperation. So don't try to do it by yourself because it's much more fun with other people. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.